Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about keeping your eyes on the shepherd. What does it mean to return to the guardian of our souls? Uh, keeping your eyes on the shepherd. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. But I'm going to get my two girls to come up here and help me uh, demonstrate something real quick. I didn't ask them. Uh, but come on here, Ari and Addie. Uh, Dwight Eisenhower... Uh, gave this illustration to his team. Turn around and face them. Uh, gave this illustration about leadership. And what does it mean to follow a leader and to be a leader? And how, does it, how do we take ourselves from one place to another in, and follow a leader? All right, so hold, Ari, hold that side. And Addie, hold, hold that right there. You know, and sometimes we think about leaders and we think about following. We think about uh, doing the right thing. And even as a parent, for me to lead my children, uh, there's a couple ways we can do it. And, and one is that if I was to say, hey, uh, Ari and Addie, I'm going to tell you where to go. And I can lead from behind here. And I can, all right, we're going to go this way. Okay, come down, go down the step, go down the step. And I'm going to tell them from behind. I'm pushing them where to go. Okay, you're going to go that way. Okay, don't do that way. Go, sorry, sorry, sorry. Go back up the hill right there. That's where I want you to go. And, and sometimes we think about God and how he leads us like that. But maybe the best way to think of, hold on to that, hold on to that. The best way to think about leading is this way. Just walk where I walk. Go where I go. Follow me. Follow me. And I can't push this rope and make them go where I want, but I can sure pull it. And wherever I go, they will follow. As long as they keep their eyes on their dad and hold on, we're going to just go through this journey together as father and daughters. Okay, go ahead and have a seat. We love you. All right. You know, sometimes we think about God that way. Sometimes we think about God as this manager who is sitting on the sidelines on the front porch telling us where to go and what to do. And we get questions. God, what do you want me to do right now? How do you want me to do this? And we think of him as this boss that is telling us instructions, and he's sitting there judging us on whether or not you're going to succeed in doing what he says. And you're going to do the right thing. And then what happens is, is you begin to mix, make missteps. You trip, you fall, you don't know exactly which direction you're going to go, because you're just waiting, sometimes in limbo, like, what am I supposed to do next? I'm, I'm listening, God, am I doing the right thing? Am I, maybe I failed you. And then when you fail, what happens? Shame and regret, and we, we're not the best Christian we ought to have been. And, and then you feel condemnation, and you feel like, man, I'm not living up to this expectation of my manager, Father God. But, you know, repeatedly in Scripture, Jesus said a phrase, follow me, follow me. And uh, Dwight Eisenhower was told about his, tells about his troops when he would go into a room and he would show them this illustration of the chain. He can't push the chain, but you can sure pull it and the rest of the chain will follow. Maybe following God is a lot more like that. That this is how God leads when Jesus says, follow me. It's a call to walk in his steps, to keep your eyes on him and walk where he walks and do what he does every step of the way. But what does that mean for us in 
1896, Charles uh, Monroe Sheldon wrote a best-selling Christian novel called In His Steps. Anybody ever read that book? In His Steps. Uh, if you're not, go back and pick it up off the old bookshelf. But uh, he, he wrote a book, and the, the sum of it is, is that this pastor on Sunday nights wanted to take his church to the next place, and he wrote these short stories, really, and compiled them together about people who really took this principle, what would Jesus do? Now, anybody in the 90s have a bracelet that said WWJD? Remember that? WWJD, what would Jesus do? And that's really where that theme comes from. And the, in his steps was this idea. In this situation in my life, these individuals in this book took the challenge to really live out the principles of Jesus and ask themselves in every situation, what would Jesus do? And that's how I'll walk in his steps. But, you know, I think it even goes a bit beyond that today. For us, it's not just what would Jesus do, but what is Jesus doing? You see, Jesus is alive. And in John, Jesus said to his followers, he says, I only do what I see my Father doing. The Son can do nothing separate from the Father. And all that the Father is doing, that's what the Son is doing. We can't do anything separate, Jesus said. In a sense, Jesus is saying, I am walking in my Father's steps. Now follow me. Follow me. Do we view God as a manager? Maybe today you're trying to live up to what the Bible says. Maybe today you feel like you've been passing or failing. Maybe today you're trying to adhere to some religious rules to be a good enough Christian so you can go to heaven. Or a good enough Christian that God will love you and bless you. And maybe you feel today that you failed recently. You haven't been the Christian you ought to have been and you felt condemned. But here's the question. Is that really what the Christian life is all about? Is that really the very best that God has for you? To live by standards of doing well and doing bad. Doing good and doing not so good. Are you living the fullest Christian life? Or are you keeping your eyes on the shepherd? You see, the Christian life is not about doing a good job and not doing a good job. The Christian life is really about two words, and that is following and abiding. Following and abiding. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Have you been asking yourself, Lord, just tell me what to do? I do that all the time. Lord, just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Just tell me, Lord, I just need somebody to tell me. Just so, write it in the sky. Send an angel via email or messenger somebody. You know, make, shoot me a text, God. Just tell me what to do. And I feel like this morning, as I was praying over this week, what to say today, that for some of us who've been asking, Lord, just tell me what to do, he's really saying this, I'm actually trying to show you. I really just want to show you. Lord, just tell me what to do. But his response is, I'm trying to show you. Because I want us to, before we leave here today, I want us to see our relationship with God is not as a manager from the sideline, pushing us and guiding us and telling us what to do, but as someone who is actively involved in your life, who as you go out through your daily your week and your day and your week and you go to work and you go to school and you go through your, your home life, that he is actively there with you just a few steps ahead trying to show you what to do. And his question, his call to us is, will you follow me? So set your eyes on the shepherd. Have we set our sights on the shepherd? First Peter chapter 2, verse 21. If you're there, somebody say amen. Let me give you the background and we get into the word. So Peter is now writing. Towards the end of his life, P 
Peter is about to, in a few years, Peter is going to be beheaded, and he's writing to the Asia Minor churches, modern-day Turkey. And he's writing to them because they sense they are uh, very, about, they're about to be very persecuted, but they're in the beginning stages of persecution. It's hard to go to the marketplace. It's hard to keep a job. People are talking all kinds of things about you. It's, it's hard right now, and some people might even be jailed soon. And the government is, is really about to be against us, if not already. And Peter is writing to them, and he's saying that Jesus has already gone ahead of you on this journey. Your good shepherd died on the cross for you. He already suffered, and he went a few steps ahead of you on this journey. And if you'll just follow him through this season of life, there is a crown of glory that is unfading that rests ahead for you. And if you'll just keep your eyes on the good shepherd, he's going to see you through. And if he suffered, you and I may have to suffer with him, but this good shepherd, he only leads you from glory to glory. This good shepherd, he only leads you to good things. And if you know that's true, somebody say amen. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20 says, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you, look at there, an example. Now we looked at this text a few weeks back, but as an example for you to what? Follow in his steps. In his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. And while suffering, he uttered no threats, but he kept entrusting himself to him who judges rightly. Remember, I'm following my Father, you follow me. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin, live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. And here's this last verse. For you were continually straying like sheep. But now you have returned to who? The shepherd and the guardian of your souls. What does it mean to stay in step with the shepherd? Just like this rope. What does it mean to stay in step, watching where he goes, going where he goes, stay in step with the shepherd. So I did a little research on some uh, shepherds in the Himalayan mountains this week, and here's what I learned. So the, the ancient sheep herding is kind of an interesting thing. We don't really know, you know, we're not connected to that lifestyle now, but basically you could have a herd of maybe even 500 to 1,000 sheep. And the shepherd really didn't eat the sheep so much unless one died. And the sheep is this, uh, it's inventory. Man, they are used for wool and for milk. And your livelihood is in these sheep. And so a shepherd would spend months out of months out of months out of the year taking this massive herd of sheep. There'd be the main shepherd and some other hired shepherds around them. All right, and let's say you have 500 sheep and some dogs and some things. And you have to take these herd of sheep from valley across mountain down to valley again because there are only so much vitamins and nutrients in those, that pasture. And if you don't want your sheep to die, you have to take them from valley to valley to valley. Across the way, though, there's ravines. Across the way, though, there's wolves. And so what these shepherds would do is they would have the shepherd would be ahead of them with a stick or a club or a staff because he would go ahead and find where the next best valley of food is. And he would know where the ravines are. And he would know if there's any wolves there. So they would put one shepherd ahead of them, and then they would put one shepherd behind them. They didn't really have to worry so much about the middle, because those at the back were those who were sick or ill or elderly, and they could get picked off. They were there to guard those behind, and if they were sick and elderly or ill, they were slow, they would have a certain call. They said, hurry up. Hurry up, don't get left behind. 
And these sheep had another call. If they were to turn to the right or to the left, the shepherd would have a certain whistle, and it would guide the sheep to stay following the shepherd. They would respond to the call. And these sheep, is kind of like they're, they're not very smart. They're very much prone to wander, like we sing. But they also are like a pet. They know who their shepherd is. Your dog probably knows who you are when you come home. They know you. These sheep would know the shepherd. And the shepherd, because he spent so much time with them, would know his sheep. You know, all, um, even though there was a lot of them, he knew the characteristics. He cared for them. They were his livelihood. So he's got different calls, a shepherd in front, a shepherd behind. And if one would fall ill, they would anoint it with oil, right? Put oil on it because it was healing and care for it and be tender to it. So this shepherd is leading ahead. He says, you have returned to the shepherd, the guardian of your soul. And I remember Isaiah 53 that says, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused iniquity of us all to fall on him. Normally, it was the sheep that might die for the shepherd. But Peter is saying, you have a shepherd who is willing to die for the sheep. You have a shepherd who is willing to die for you, and you're the ones that stray, and you're the ones that need him, and you need a shepherd, and you need a flock, and you need to go through. And he, but this is a good shepherd, but this shepherd took it to a whole other level. This shepherd went ahead of you on the journey, and he was willing to die for you in place of you and be a substitute for you and all your wondering and all your sin and all your iniquity. And this shepherd, Jesus, comes in John 10 11. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the shepherd lays his life down. For his sheep. That this good shepherd, this good shepherd is about to lay his life down for the sheep. And Peter says, This is the Christ, the shepherd who's come for us to lead us from place to place, who protects us and guides us and takes us from glory to glory. And our shepherd is so good. He's so good that even though I'm wandering over here, I'm looking at this shepherd who's willing to die for me. And here's what that should do for you and for me as a Christian. I don't want you just to believe a set of beliefs. I don't want you just to believe a set of doctrines. I want you to be inspired by a shepherd who is willing to go ahead for you and die for you. He was willing to be further on the journey than you could ever go and pay the penalty for all your wonderings and all your sins. And what that does for me is that I begin to see what he did and I believe on what he did by faith. I, that's the first part. I believe that Jesus came and he died for my sins. And what does that do for me? That inspires me to love him. It inspires me to love him. It inspires me to, I'm over here wandering on this hill and I see my shepherd die in place of me and jump in front of the wolf and take it for me. And I say, wow, that's my shepherd. And I see him get up on the third day and rise victorious over the death that was due me. And so when he calls, guess what I'm going to do? I'm leaving my wandering and this worldly life. I'm leaving all the grass that I think I want and I need. I'm leaving all the things I want to do. And I willingly start coming to wherever he is. Why? Because he's earned it for me. You see, some people just want to believe Christianity is a, I believe he's over there dying, he did it, okay, thank you, I'm just going to do my whole thing with my life. That's not Christianity. Christianity is where I, by faith, believe in what he did. And because he's owed it, I owe him. And because I've, I've been inspired to love him for what he did. By faith, I believe it. And in love, I respond to it. So when he says, come, I follow his voice. When he says, come, I leave my wandering and I run to my shepherd. Because his call 
Is, I come to his call because I love him. And that's Christianity. It, believe, it begins with this faith of what he's done. And the second step is I love him. And so I respond to his call, even though I still am a sheep, even though I still have faults, even though I still wonder, even though I still struggle with things, I am following him because he's worthy. He's earned my love. Somebody say amen. Has he earned your love? So when Jesus says that's the first word, his first phrase is follow me. Follow me. Shepherd's call says follow me. He has a little, I don't know how you call your dog or whatever you do. He has a call. And Jesus came as a good shepherd to the earth. He said, follow me, and I'll make you into something. Follow me. He says to his disciples, anyone who wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. Leave the hill that you're on. Leave the wandering that you're doing, and follow me. Because if you don't deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of me. You can't go where I'm going. You can't follow me if you don't leave behind what you're prone to doing. But he says, I'm going to die for you. And those who don't love Jesus in all of their hearts... We all, we all follow our sensual desires. We follow our evil desires. We follow pride and pleasure. And if we don't believe in his work, we don't really love him. See, if I have a sin issue in my life, here's what I used to do. I used to beat myself up. I used to say, man, you're horrible. Man, you're worthless. You're, you're nothing. Man, what are you doing? How do you know better than this? What I learned in my journey with Christ so far is that that is not the issue the issue is I need to be more inspired by what he has done than what I didn't do. You understand? It's not about what I did or didn't do. That, that is an issue. But the solution for me is say, this shepherd is so good. He's better than anything I could have out here. Man, I want to follow him by faith because of the love that I have for him. And my love for him needs to be greater than my love for that thing I was falling into. My love for him should be something so great and so inspiring of what he's done. I have so much faith and belief in what he's done that it's not about what I did or didn't do. It's about, man, I love this guy, and I want to follow him all the days of my life that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. It's about following him because you love him. And if there's a sin issue in your life, it's really a love issue. It's really a love issue. And Jesus said in John 10, 4, he says, When a shepherd puts forth his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And the stranger, they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. But John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The Christian business, the Christian work that you and I are supposed to be doing is not following a, less, a, a set list of standards or rules or regulation. The work that I am called to do is to keep my eyes on the shepherd and follow him. And he's going to lead me into green pastures and beside still waters. He's going to take me to places, and I'm going to be obedient with God when I follow him. I don't have to try to be obedient, but if I follow him, I will be obedient. You hear me this morning? It's not about uh, coming to church and paying your tithes and putting your, your rear in a pew for a few hours a week and reading a certain set of scriptures and praying a certain set of prayers. Even the Pharisees fasted and prayed more than anybody in Israel, and they still failed to recognize the voice of their shepherd because they didn't love him him. They didn't know his voice. They didn't have an appreciation for what he was about to do. And that for you and for me to be successful in the Christian life is not to look at a list of rules or standards, but to say, man, I so love this guy who gave his life for me that when he calls me out of darkness and into his marvelous light, where he goes, I go. What he does, I do. What he says, I want to say. 
So are you, are you looking at the shepherd? Because when you, there's a, a song, how marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior who died for me. How, how, it's an awe-inspiring marvel of what God who so loved the world gave his only son, that whosoever would believe. When you look at this guy, you should say, wow, how the most powerful, the most holy, the most awesome, the most glorious God made himself of no reputation, Philippians says, and he humbled himself even to die a sinner's cursed death on a cross for you and for me. And if that doesn't inspire you, you don't get it. If that doesn't awe you to come out of sin and start following him, you don't get it yet. You see, cowboys uh, drive from the back. So uh, you were close to Texas. Some of you are Texans in this room. You know, and they have cattle, cattle drives and cattle herds. And what do cowboys do? They yell and they prod and they circle and they push. It's called a drive. They push them to where? To the meat market, to where they're going to be slaughtered. So if a cow gets sick and falls on the side, what is it? It's just, that's the lost money. It's not really about tender care for the cow. He's either going to make it or not. And they drive and they push. And some of us look at God that way, that he's pushing me, he's pushing me, he wants me to get there, and I got to earn it, and I got to do it. But a shepherd, what does he do? He leads. He's ahead. I've already done this. You see, what you're going through in life, he's already been through it. That's why he came. He came to show you. He bore your sickness. He bore your shame. He bore your infirmities. Uh, infirmities. He was mocked. He was ridiculed. He was abandoned. He lost his own father uh, when he was young. I mean, this Jesus has been there. He's done that. That's why we say he has a high priest who knows our weakness. He knows he's mindful of what you've been through because he's went ahead of you on the journey. That's why I can follow him because he's been where we're going. And so many Christians today are going nowhere spiritually. They're trying not to sin. They're trying to do something that pleases God on their own. But they're not following him every day. They're not keeping their eyes on the shepherd. And Jesus says, I don't do anything I don't see my father doing. What would your life look like if you didn't do anything that you didn't see Jesus doing? Think about that for just a minute. Because what we do is we validate ourselves. I went to church today. I didn't cuss. I didn't drink. Didn't cheat on my wife. I didn't watch dirty movies. I'm doing pretty good. But did you listen? I'm honest. Did you listen? Because we can validate ourselves, but you did gossip. You did slander. You did get angry at your kids and outspoken with your wife. Or you, you did listen to that thing at work. Or you, you did think on those thoughts. You did harbor iniquity in your heart. Because we weren't really in the moments the quiet moments, the still moments, saying, Jesus, how do you want me to answer this conversation? Jesus, where do you want me to go today? Jesus, what do you want me to do? Not, not even what you want. Jesus, what are you doing today? Jesus, where do I see you at today in this conversation? Jesus is already ahead of you in that conversation. Jesus is already ahead of you in what movies you're going to watch. Jesus is already ahead of you. And see, he's, he's a few steps ahead. And it's taking all of this religious junk and saying, Jesus... I want to walk where you walk. I want to do what you do. I don't want to justify my goodness according to what I do and don't do. I want to say that I'm just simply following you. I'm just simply following you. Have you watched The Shepherd this week? Because I think sometimes our version of Christianity is a lot different than his. Because when you follow him, guess what you do next? You abide in him. 
You say, well, I don't know where he's leading. It's hard to know where he's going. I, don't, I need to know where he's going. We don't always understand where he's going. So where is he leading? You know, every person that followed Jesus in the New Testament, the crowds, the disciples who followed him, they were all healed in body. They were delivered from oppression. They were supernaturally fed uh, by manna from heaven, you know, fresh bread from heaven. They were fearfully, the Bible says, amazed in awe. Everywhere that Jesus took these crowds, he took them to something better than they ever could have ever imagined. Man, he took them from place to place. And everywhere the shepherd led them was good things. And he was leading them, the Bible says, to rest. Matthew 11, he says, come to me right? Come, follow me, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, rest from your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Take it upon yourself. What's that take it upon? Take the reins, take it, hold on to it, go where I go, I'm going to pull you. He's not driving you like cattle, you're not the ox on the cart and he's whipping you and trying to get you to go somewhere. He says, I'm ahead of you, take my yoke, get connected to me, pull you somewhere, and guess where I'm going to lead you? I'm leading you to rest in your souls. Rest in your souls. I'm not leading you to a work-based religion where you feel ashamed if you don't make it today. I know you're a sheep. I know you're prone to wander. I died for you anyway. I knew you were going to fail. I knew you were going to mess up. And my goodness is better than you can ever imagine because even though you were yet sinners, I died for you. So I know you're going to be a sheep. I know it. Just stay connected to the shepherd. Follow me where I'm leading you. I don't, sometimes growing up in, I grew up in church my whole life, and I, and, and no fault of my pastors or my parents or any person who ever poured into my life, but there's just something about growing up in religion that you become religious. And you never, you get to a place and you're like, I think God is gooder than I ever thought. I think he's better than I ever thought possible. That he would still like me, even though I make mess mistakes. That he still wants me, even though I don't feel worthy. You see, sometimes we try to be a better man or a better woman. We want to be the best dad. We want to be the best mom. We want to work out and be the best looking person we can be. We put all these standards up in our life. You try to work more to have more for your kids than, you know, your parents are able to give for you. We want to put these standards out there. And we go through all this joyless work of empty religion, trying to please God in vain. And here's what we do. We binge watch Netflix and TV to find some rest. We go on multiple vacations a year just to try to find some rest. We go to relationships. Sometimes we end up turning to alcohol or drugs or or pills, or whatever it is, just to take the edge off, just so you can have some rest in your life. You try to isolate yourself from people just to have rest in your life. You try to change jobs, locations, buy houses, buy cars, just to find some rest in your life, just to feel like you've made it, that you earned something, that you're worth it, that you're good enough. Be honest. That's what we do as humans. Look at Psalm 23 before we close. He says, David says of this shepherd that was really coming, right? He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in a path of righteousness for his namesake. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. See that? My cup overflows, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord. See, he's ahead of you. And he's following you. And what is he saying? He says, number one, I shall want. I shall not want. It means I will not be lacking any good thing. 
Because this shepherd's taking me from this green pasture. He's going to take me over hills and, and, and ravines and shadows of death and, and crazy places. But I know that he's got a plan in place. And some of us, sometimes, you are not in this valley. You are with the shepherd going across a mountain of death, of sorrow, of grief, of anguish, of things that don't look right. He says, but I shall not want because I trust the shepherd. He's earned my trust. He's earned my respect. He's earned my admiration. Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I know he's taken me from green pasture to green pasture. He's already searched out the still waters that provide rest for my soul. And even though I walk through the gloom of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear evil because my shepherd's got a big stick and he can beat up the devil for me. And he's got a rod that takes that club and he's already gone ahead of me. And the Bible says in Colossians that he nailed those things to the cross and he made a spectacle of the enemy when he triumphed over that enemy in death. That he's already beaten the devil. He went across the valley, scoped it out, says, how do I get these sheep to heaven? Got it. Take my stick. Beats the devil. Makes the path clear. And he's got a, uh, the Bible says he has a, a, a shepherd's staff. And what is that shepherd's staff? It's a stick that guides and it guides them. No, there's a ravine over here. Don't go that way. Oh, there's a cliff over here. Don't go that way. And if you just keep your eyes on the good shepherd, you just listen to his clicks and his calls and his whistles, you can know, man, this shepherd is so good. He's so wonderful. He's so awesome. He says, he leads me to still places of refreshing. He restores me. That means he brings back and he revives my soul. The soul there is the inner self. He makes you all brand new. He, on the inside, restores your personality from hard places and hurts. He restores and makes your heart soft again from all the hard things you've been through in life, all the pain and suffering and the, the abandonment and all the stabbing in the backs and all the, the gossips about you. He can take all that heart and he can make it like new again. He leads me. It says he is with me, so I fear no evil. And he prepares before me a table of feasting, even if there is enemies around. You see, the sheep would be separated from the goats in some of these places. I'm going to wrap it up. The sheep would go down to the valleys, and there is a time in these herds where they take the goats, and they put the goats up on the hill, and they keep the sheep in the valley. The sheep don't do so well on the hill because often the goats above the hill make the rocks fall and kill the sheep. They're in the shadow of death when they're on that hill. But he separates the sheep and the goats. And the Bible says there's coming a day where Jesus will separate the sheep and the goats. We're all together in one flock together in this pasture here. But the shepherd takes them across the mountainous valley and ravines where there's wolves he takes them down to another green pastured valley where there's still water that refreshes the sheep. And then he separates and he puts the goats up on the mountain where goats like to wander and are prone to eat. And he leaves the sheep here and he stays with the sheep. That's us. The question is, are you and I going to follow the shepherd wherever he leads and trust him? Say, God, I don't have to have it all figured out. I know that I'm not good enough. I know that I'll never be. Lord, I know that you love me, though, and that you died for me. And maybe today you have been measuring yourself by the wrong standard. And Jesus is just simply saying, I want to abide with you. That's what he said in John 15. If you would just abide in me and I abide in you, my Father and I will make our dwelling, our abode with you. I just want you to be in me. 
See, that shepherd would spend that whole season away from his family, away from uh, his home, and he came for months at a time and labored with those sheep and slept where the sheep slept. You see, Jesus is doing that right now with you. We're not home yet. We haven't made it to the final green pasture. The shepherd is abiding with you. And he says, if you'll just stop trying to wander, haven't I earned your love? That's all this is about. It's about a love relationship between you and Jesus. He knows who you are. He knows your faults. He knows your needs. He knows all those things. And he yet loves you anyway, and he died for you. And all he's asking is not for you to do a better job and not to stop doing bad things. Because that's the work stuff. He just says, I've proved my love for you. And if you know me, and if you love me, you'll follow my voice. So are you following? Are you abiding? Maybe today you are, you are at a place where you just need some restoration in your soul. And you just need to spend some time with Jesus. Not time in front of the TV. Not time going and doing and being and God, all this stuff that we do in life to try to fill this void. Your void is to be filled with just simply resting and being with Jesus. Your prayer life, your devotional life, just moments alone to say, God, I know I, I, know I just need you. I know I just need you. See, there's a lot of sick sheep in the church today because we're looking at this thing all wrong. Are you following and are you abiding? And the shepherd is just saying, come. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Every head bowed, every eye closed. What is Jesus saying to you today? What's he saying to you? What is Jesus doing in your life? Where is he leading you? How many steps ahead? Can you look at your life and, and look back just this last week or two and say, I really sense Jesus talking to me about this. I really sense Jesus leading me into this. And maybe you're here today, you just saying, God, just tell me what to do. Tell me how to be good enough. Tell me, Lord, just make me be a better person. Make me obey you. Or maybe today you're, you're in such a place that you don't even know where you are, but you know that you're not where you ought to be. The shepherd is simply saying, come. Come abide with me. Come rest with me. Come, come let me take you to greener pastures. Come let, me, come let me sit with you beside still waters. Come let me restore your soul. Would you come? Just listen. Just leave what you've got. Leave what you've been doing. Just come deeper. And Christian, you too. Christian, it's for you too that he restores your soul. Stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to be good enough. Stop trying to be better. You are good enough that he died for you when you were a sinner. How do you doubt that you're good enough right now? Stop measuring yourself by all these worldly standards that just come abide with him. Come be made whole in him. Come be close to him. That's what this is about, church. Stop just doing church and going to church. Start being the church with him. Start coming closer to him. Start spending time with him. Start hearing his voice in a deeper and better way. Start sharing life with him. Let him share life with you. The overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It's chasing you. It's finding you. It's breaking through walls to get to you. Drawing you into him. Would you come? That's
sense his call, would you come? Follow me. Step by step, follow me. You're here today. You're ready to make that first step. And you, right now, if you were to die today, you don't know where you would spend eternity. But you need to surrender that life and give it over to Jesus. That you believe on him by faith. That you love him for what he's done. And you want to come today for the first time. These altars are open to find a place of prayer. Our elders, our leaders will come and pray with you. You need to get it right with the Lord. That's what this is time for. Or Christian today, you say, I love Jesus, but I haven't been abiding. I've been trying to be good enough, trying not to be bad at too 